We know the Orioles are diving deep into the starting pitching market right now. And a name that keeps coming up is Chris Bassett. Could he be the perfect fit for this Orioles rotation? We'll talk about that coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, December 1st, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at one free agent pitcher. That is Chris Bassett, who's been connected to the Orioles a couple different times so far this offseason. And frankly, it makes sense because he makes sense as a perfect free agent starting pitching signing for Mike Elias. He'd be a great addition, the top of the rotation, great veteran to help lead these young pitchers, and overall would help this O's team try and get to the playoffs in 2023. So coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about kind of where these Chris Bassett rumors are coming from, how he would fit with the Orioles, and what kind of pitcher he's been over his career, and why it took him a little longer to become pretty dominant at times at the big league level. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. First, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you listen on Apple Pods, if you listen on Spotify, if you give us a five-star rating and a review on those apps, really helps out the pod. And, of course, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. And you want to make sure you're subscribed on YouTube to win our incredible giveaway that I'll talk about a little bit later at the end of the pod that will end this week. But you got to be subscribed to Locked On Orioles on YouTube. And hey, you know, we've been talking about how the moves haven't been coming so quickly. The winter meetings start on Sunday. We are very, very close. Meaning hopefully, and if you read Jeff Passan's piece on ESPN on Wednesday, he thinks... Maybe a day or two before the winter meetings, Friday or Saturday, things are going to really kick into gear with free agency and trades. And we're going to see them for the next couple of weeks up until the end of the year. We'll have it all covered here still daily Monday through Friday until mid-December and then three days a week after that right here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. We thank you so much for making the pod your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, let's get into Chris Bassett. Now, before we talk about his career, how he'd fit with the O's, what they'd have to spend, and why they should go after him. Let's just set the record straight. There was you know, rumors rolling around social media, especially Twitter, on Wednesday that someone had said that John Morosi, who is an MLB reporter for MLB.com, MLB Network, had gone on MLB Network on Wednesday afternoon and stated that the Orioles were the front runners to sign Chris Bassett. And I think a lot of people saw that, got excited for obvious reasons. Bassett's a great pitcher, which we'll get into in this episode. But I wanted to pump the brakes a little bit. Went back and watched the segment, Morosi on MLB Network, talking specifically about Chris Bassett and his free agent market. And he mentioned some other teams. He talked about the Orioles. He talked about how Bassett would fit in with the O's, how the O's should spend some money this offseason, how they're young and talented. And, you know, mentioning guys like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson coming up and, and, you know, playing great in their rookie seasons. But he never used the word frontrunner. He talked about how he personally thought Bassett would be a great fit and a great addition for the Orioles this offseason, and how you know he talked about how the Orioles have been checking in on all the free agent starting pitchers. We know that. That's been reported. But that he just thought Bassett would be a great fit for the Orioles. 
Now, you combine those two things, and you can probably think that the O's have reached out to Bassett's agent to talk. But he never said the Orioles are the front runner for Chris Bassett. So just take that in mind, kind of reset. And now we go into still looking at Chris Bassett, because just because they're not the front runner right now doesn't mean he couldn't be an Oriole. Now, who is Chris Bassett? If you're a little unfamiliar, because you know he's not the name that DeGrom, Verlander, and Carlos Rodon are. Those are the three true, legit aces on the free agent starting pitching market. And I would argue Bassett is starting pitcher number four that's available as a free agent this offseason. I'd put DeGrom one, Verlander two, Rodon three. Then there's a gap. Then i put Bassett four. He's still a great addition to your starting lineup. But I think one issue for Chris Bassett is that he was kind of a, a late bloomer. And he was pitching well on some not-so-great A's teams. Then got traded to the Mets. Never really had the star power. But Chris Bassett... 33-year-old right-hander, actually going to turn 34 in February. So next year will be his age 34 season. So yeah, he is one of the older free agent starting pitchers on the market now. Justin Verlander just won the Cy Young at 38, is a free agent, and is going to get a lot of money. So take that with what you will. 16th round pick out of Akron, all the way back in 2011 by the Chicago White Sox. Got to the big leagues in 2014 with Chicago, pitched briefly that season in the majors, And then after the 2014 season was traded by the White Sox over to the Oakland Athletics, Marcus Semien was in that deal as well. That sent Jeff Samarja, that was the Jeff Samarja deal, going to Chicago, whereas Marcus Semien actually kind of ended up being the the best player in that deal. And, And you could argue Bassett ended up being the second best player with Samarja being the third best player who was dealt there. It was actually a a pretty great deal for Oakland in that offseason between 14 and 15. So he goes to Oakland and he does pitch a little bit in the big leagues in 2015 with the Athletics. And then he starts the year on the opening day roster pitching for Oakland in 2016, but then an arm injury happens in May and in May of 2016 Chris Bassett gets Tommy John surgery. So everybody knew he'd be out for the rest of 2016. He'd be out for a good chunk of 2017, kind of a similar timeline to when John Means had his Tommy John last year, so they knew he wouldn't be ready for opening day 17. But his rehab actually took longer than expected, and he ended up missing most of 2017 as well before getting back to the minor leagues, and he just wasn't the same pitcher for a while, so he started 2018 in the minor leagues, and he did not return to a Major League Baseball start until June of 2018, over two years after his last start at the bigs before his Tommy John surgery, but he seemingly kind of came back and looked better in the bigs when he got back there in 2018 with Oakland. Now, you never know what to take from that post-Tommy John season, but when he came back with Oakland in 2018, he threw 48 innings and he had a 3.02 ERA, 11 appearances, seven starts as a 29-year-old, and Oakland was thinking, we might have something here. And they did, because then he comes in and he's almost fully healthy during the 2019 season, ended up making 25 starts, 144 innings, and had a 3.81 ERA that year. Now, he did have a leg injury during the season that kept him from pitching a full year, but it was a pretty full year. He did pitch essentially a full 2020 season in the shortened year with Oakland, and that's when he really burst onto the scene. In the 60-game season, he made 11 starts with the A's in 2020, 63 innings, had a 2.29 ERA. Now, 
It was a 3.59 FIP. He only had 7.9 Ks per nine. It wasn't the most dominant season of all time, but that really put him on the map. And then he followed it up with another great year in 2021. Finally put together a, a almost full season. Made 27 starts for Oakland in 2021, 157 innings, had a 3.15 ERA with a 3.34 FIP, had a career-high 9.1 Ks per nine, career-low 2.2 walks per nine, and he was really looking like a great pitcher. And then he takes a line drive off the face in late August of 2021, missed some time, actually came back at the end of the year to try and help Oakland get into the postseason after taking a line drive off his face, so a very scary moment but he only missed really a handful of starts before coming back and continued to pitch well. So Oakland, in their complete fire sale last offseason, then trades him over to the Mets for a couple of prospects. And Bassett, once again, at least according to Fangraph's war, put together his best career season in 2022 with the Mets. At age 33, he stayed healthy. He made 30 starts. He threw 182 innings. He had a 3.42 ERA with a 3.66 FIP. 8.3 Ks, 2.4 walks per nine. Again, the walk numbers were low. Strikeout numbers came a little down, but he was still a productive, generally a ground ball pitcher. And he just got outs for the Mets, helping them win 100 plus games and get into the postseason. Now, he could have stayed with the Mets on his contract, but he opted out. He had a player option and decided to opt out of the 2023 part of his deal and became a free agent this offseason because he knew he could make some more money with how well he had pitched. And he's an interesting guy because you look at his stuff and he has some good pitches. Don't get me wrong. He has some strikeout pitches, but he doesn't have that like DeGrom fastball slider combo or the Verlander combo where you look at his stuff and you go, this guy's amazing. I mean, he throws 93-94 with his four-seam fastball, but he throws six different pitches and Bassett's so interesting because when he got to the big leagues in 2014 with the White Sox, he was throwing six different pitches. And eight years later, he's still throwing six pitches. From most to least used, it goes sinker, cutter, slider, curveball, four-seam fastball, and changeup for Chris Bassett. It's a sinker at 92-93 that he throws about a third of the time. It's his ground ball pitch. It's why he's a ground ball pitcher. It doesn't have a lot of swing and miss on it, but again, guys beat that thing into the ground. Then he throws the cutter, which is a really interesting pitch for him. Mostly throws it to get lefties out, kind of jam them on the hands. Guys hit only 217 against his cutter last year. It had a 28% whiff rate. That pitch was really effective. His top breaking ball is the slider, but basically the cutter, slider, curveball, and four-seamer he throws them all between 13 and 17% of the time. So he can go to any of them at any time. The cutters hits about 89. The sliders at about 79. Guys hit just 226 against that. It had over a 30% whiff rate. Then he throws the curveball in there as well. He'll drop in kind of a big slow curve, you know, 71, 72 miles per hour. Opponents hit only 156 against his curveball this year. It is a really impressive pitch. And then he has kind of the get-me-over four-seamer, and then he'll drop in a change-up at 85. Only throws the change-up about 6% of the time, but he throws it to lefties to mix things up as well. And it's interesting to see, you know, he has just continued to throw those six pitches. But the thing you're asking, you know, how do you get so much better? Well, he really improved the cutter. Because in 2019, in his last two full seasons, his cutter was getting hit, and hit hard. Really, even before that, 2018, his cutter, second most used pitch, 
Opponents hit 302 against it. 2019, his cutter, third most used pitch. Opponents hit 344 against it. 2021, his cutter, third most used pitch. Opponents hit 305 against it. 2022, revamped cutter, second most used pitch. Guys hit just 217 against it. It's changed him as a pitcher. And when you have a cut fastball that he only throws at 89 miles per hour being the pitch that defines you, that can give you a lot more longevity at age 34. You know, he's not relying on a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. He's relying a lot on an 89-mile-per-hour cutter. He can throw that pitch forever. And that makes me really think that this is sustainable for Chris Bassett. But if the Orioles went after him, you know the question is, well, how much is it going to cost? And where would he fit in in this Orioles rotation? So we'll answer those questions coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis as we head into the winter here in December. We've got big football weekends coming up. Conference championship weekend in college football, and of course, another Sunday of the NFL is coming up. Get all the lines and the odds for every game at BetOnline. But there's still college basketball getting into full swing. The Maryland Terrapins, now 7-0, ranked number 22. Big game against Illinois coming up on Friday night, and of course, the NBA and the NHL going, and hey, we've got the World Cup finishing up the group stage. Of course, the U.S. have moved on to play the Netherlands in the knockout round Saturday. You can get the odds on that one at Bet Online. and hey, if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you do if you're listening to this one, you can get those at Bet Online as well. They're the, always, always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. So after John Morosi went on MLB Network on Wednesday and talked about how he thought the Orioles would be a great fit for Chris Bassett, wanted to take a closer look at Bassett because we've talked about him a good amount of times here on this podcast. Heck, you know, even on last Friday's episode, I looked at kind of the tiers of free agent starting pitching, and I really did key in on Chris Bassett being a good fit. But I wanted to break down even further because it's basically been Bassett and Jamison Tyone that a lot of people have been connecting to the Orioles. So we really went over his career, especially what he looks like in 2022. But the question now becomes, well, what's he going to cost? Again, he opted out of his contract with the Mets to become a free agent. And again, John Becker, who works over at Roster Resource for Fangraphs, does a great job of his free agency matrix, putting together a median contract for every prediction that's out there. And the median contract for Chris Bassett looks like three years, $60 million. So that would be $20 million per year for Chris Bassett. I tend to agree that's probably right around what he's going to get, right around anywhere from 17 to 21 or $22 million per year on a three- or four-year deal. That's most likely what Bassett's going to get. Now, three-year deal is mostly because he's already going to be 34, so you would have him for his age 34, 35, and 36 seasons on a three-year deal. Pitchers can certainly be dominant at that age. Just look at another free agent right now in Justin Verlander, who just won the Cy Young in his late 30s. I'm not saying Bassett is Verlander, but he's a very good pitcher, who has gotten better, and again, as I mentioned earlier, you can argue his best season so far came last year with the Mets at age 33. So I think he can sustain this through his mid-30s. I wouldn't be worried at all about giving him a contract, especially if it's only three years. And as we know, the O's you know, payroll looking at about $40 million right now. He is definitely in the price range to pay him $20 million per year. But you ask, well, why would you bring in Chris Bassett? Well, if the stats I talked about and what he did the last couple years that I mentioned in the first segment isn't enough, he would clearly help the Orioles' rotation. If you placed him on this O's team right now, he would easily be their best starting pitcher. 
But what he really is, is just a much better version of Jordan Lyles. I know people were upset that the Orioles ended up declining Jordan Lyles' $11 million option for next year, made him a free agent instead of bringing him back after he was about league average and ate a lot of innings and was a mentor to the O's young pitching staff in 2022. I think it was a big reason why they had a winning record this year. But I talked about it when the O's actually made the decision to decline Lyles' option. I said multiple times on the pod, I think this is a good move by the O's if their plan is to bring in just a better version of Lyles. I think they really want a veteran guy who's been through a lot on the staff who can really be a mentor to the young pitchers like Lyles was. But what they want is somebody who's going to produce better. And Lyles had his moments, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the year, he was essentially just above league average at best. Chris Bassett can be elite at best. So he's 34. He's been through a whole lot in his career. He's been through Tommy John surgery. He's been through getting traded twice. He's been through taking a liner off the head. He's been in three different organizations. He's been through winning teams. He's been through losing teams. This guy could really be a leader in this clubhouse while also producing on the field. Again, if you're getting all the leadership Jordan Lyles brought and you're still getting 180 innings, Chris Bassett actually threw three more innings than Jordan Lyles did this year. And you're getting a much better ERA at 3.42. You take that every single time. And if you can get Chris Bassett at 20 million versus Jordan Lyles at 11 million, Chris Bassett is definitely, I mean, you could argue twice as good as Jordan Lyles. He's got the stuff and he's only going to get better or at least stay at the same level of production. And while I would love the O's, love the O's to trade or trade for Pablo Lopez, trade for Tarek Skubal, trade for Corbin Burns, like we talked about on yesterday's episode. And while I would love for them to sign Justin Verlander, sign Jacob deGrom, sign Carlos Rodon, I still think they should do one of those things. But if Chris Bassett ends up being signed by the Orioles and ends up being their biggest pitcher that they pick up, whether it be a free agency or a trade this offseason, he can be their ace. Now, you could argue he's never been the ace of a staff. I would say that maybe he was in Oakland in 2020. Maybe even at times in 2021 in Oakland. I mean, I know Sean Mania was there as well, but Bassett was pretty great those two years. And that Oakland team was very close to the playoffs in 2021, and they made the playoffs in 2020. But I believe in Bassett to be at the top of the rotation. And again, as I said earlier, he's the fourth best starting pitcher. He's not in the ace tier one. He's not in the DeCrom, Verlander, Rodon tier where they're probably the ace of any team they sign with, pretty much any team. But Bassett is certainly the far and away leader of the tier two starting pitchers. You could argue that Chris Bassett might actually be in his own tier. It might be DeGrom, Verlander, Rodon, break, then just Chris Bassett, break, and then you get kind of the guys like Tyone and Senga and Walker. But then you think about it, you know, just signing Chris Bassett wouldn't mean the O's are done. Even if they couldn't get anybody above him still, they could still get some other tier two guys. And as has been written by Rakabako and Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan reported it in his story on Wednesday on ESPN.com, the Orioles are looking to add two starting pitchers this offseason. Now, we're not sure whether that's you know both via free agency or maybe one free agent and one trade. Multiple sources have reported that they are looking to add two starting pitchers to this team this offseason. And so even if you get Chris Bassett, they're still going to be looking for another one. And if you go back into kind of that tier two, the guys below Bassett, and you also add Jamison Tyone, who we've talked about, you also add Taiwan Walker, 
You also add Kodai Senga. You also add Sean Manaya. Maybe you still also add a guy like Pablo Lopez in a trade. That is a one-two punch that although neither of them are like stone-cold aces in Major League Baseball, you basically get two number twos. Could add up to a number one when you put Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez and, you know, D.L. Hall, Austin Voth, Tyler Wells, all competing for those spots on the back part of the rotation. If you can get Bassett plus another one of those guys, and then you really got six guys competing for three spots, all who are very viable options, you got to feel really good about the O's rotation heading into 2023. Again, I would love Rodon. He's better than Bassett. But if you're just going to get outbid because teams are spending 40, 45 million, which I still think the O's should do, but if you're getting either 45 million from the Mets, the Dodgers, or the Orioles, a lot of guys are going to sign with the Mets or Dodgers. They're more ready to win a World Series right now. I get it. But if the O's miss out on those top, top guys, I think Bassett, if he's your ace, if Chris Bassett starts opening day for the Orioles in 2023, I'd still feel good about their chances to make the playoffs. And that's what we're looking for next year. Feel good about your chances on opening day to make the playoffs. And Bassett is number one. I think he's the perfect fit. He's got the pitch arsenal. He's got the experience. He's got the skill. I think he can still do it through his mid-30s. He's got you know everything you want, all the leadership qualities. Hopefully, he can help out these young pitchers. And he's not super expensive either. Just feels like the perfect, perfect fit for this Orioles rotation. But I hope they do get Chris Bassett and hopefully get him soon. Go out there before the winter meetings. Hey, pick him up. Go do it, Mike Elias. But we do have those winter meetings coming up, which means things should uh, heat up on the podcast as well. Get you a couple updates on the pod, a couple of shout-outs to close out this Thursday episode. That's coming up next. So we've got one more episode here this week on the pod coming up tomorrow. But first, if you haven't gone back and listened to our Tuesday episode or watched it here on YouTube, make sure to do that as we had Daniel Horide on the show, who is the artist who created the Pop Fly Pop Shop. They do incredible prints of baseball legends basically put on comic book style covers. And this week's art is of Orioles legend Eddie Murray. It's a steady Eddie art. He collaborated with Eddie to make this print, and it's only available this week. So make sure to go check out that episode on Tuesday. Daniel tells you where you can pick up one of these amazing prints. And here on the pod, you can also win a free print as well. Now, to win one of these awesome Steady Eddie prints, you can go check them out at thepopflypopshop.com. This is what you need to do. First, subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcast on YouTube. And second, leave a comment in the comment section here on YouTube on any of our episodes this week telling me either your favorite Eddie Murray memory as an Oriole or if, like me, you were too young to watch Eddie play, just your favorite thing about Eddie Murray, your favorite fact about Eddie Murray that you've heard or read or watched about him, and you will be entered to win one of these beautiful prints to hang in your home and uh, show you're a fan of the O's and show you're a fan of Steady Eddie. But they are great. And again, make sure to subscribe and leave that comment to be entered to win. And again, remember, you got to do it by Friday because I'm going to draw the name on Friday because these prints, they're only available for one week. That's why it's a pop shop done by Daniel. They're only available for one week. So these prints only available until Sunday. So you got to get that free one by Friday. So make sure to subscribe and comment. One more thing before we go, 
Uh, I saw a lot of people got their Spotify wrapped on Wednesday. If you're unfamiliar, Spotify at the end of each year kind of sends you this, this cool interactive breakdown of all the music and podcasts that you've listened to throughout the year on Spotify. And just want to give a couple of shout outs to some people who let me know that Locked on Orioles was right near the top, if not at the top of their list of their most listened to podcast by Spotify Wrapped. We thank you guys so much for letting us know and, and supporting the pod. Want to shout out at tapout underscore Nick on Twitter, Todd Martin, Jordan Kendall on Twitter, at Tom DU8 or Tom underscore DU8 as well. All of you, thank you so much for sending it in, showing that Locked on Orioles is on your Spotify Wrapped if you have Locked On Orioles on your Spotify wrapped this week, make sure to uh, send us a little screenshot, send us a tweet, and I will give you a shout-out on an upcoming episode of the podcast. But we've got one more episode to get to this week. It's coming up tomorrow, a Friday pod. We are going to continue. Actually, we've got two episodes left of our Orioles season review series. We've got two players to get to, Anthony Santander and Dean Kramer. And tomorrow we're going to specifically talk about Dean Kramer's bounce back 22 season. Brendan Mortensen of the Mass and All Access podcast is going to join us for that one. Talk about Dean, how he got back to this, and what the O's should expect out of him in 2023 and beyond. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.